One of the most critical tools of the deep state in the destruction of our country has been the radical shift they have brought about in the worldview of Americans, primarily using the so-called education system. Stay tuned and I'll tell you more. Welcome everybody to another episode of Behind the Deep State with me, your host, Alex Newman, senior editor at the New American Magazine. Uh, folks, if you haven't read our special reports that we did on education, you need to get them. Get over to thenewamerican.com, order those. We've got Rescuing Our Children and Save Our Children. Uh, these are, in my view, two of the most important projects I've ever worked on with The New American. Uh, we'll go into a lot greater depth on some of the subjects that we're going to address today. But uh, folks, what has happened in our country? When our nation was created, the dominant worldview, this was shared almost universally, even non-Christians had a largely biblical worldview, was a biblical worldview. They viewed the world through the lens of the Bible, through what God teaches in Scripture. Sometimes it's called uh, the Christian worldview, the biblical worldview, the Judeo-Christian worldview, some people call it. Uh, whatever you call it, uh, they viewed the world through the lens of the Bible. Today, uh, very few people have a biblical worldview. We've seen a lot of surveys on this. Uh, George Barna has done surveys on this. Less than 10% of Americans today have a biblical worldview. Unfortunately, we have a catastrophic levels, even in churches, even among pastors, even among the clergy. So few of us today see the world through a biblical lens, the way the founders of this country, the way the authors of our founding documents saw it. And a lot of this goes right back to the so-called education system. Uh, and, and it really brings on some fundamental questions, like you know, what, what is even the purpose of education? And the answer to that question, it depends on your worldview, right? When you ask it, what is the purpose of education? It's like asking, what is the meaning of life? Uh, you're gonna have a radically different answer depending on who or what your God is, depending on what you believe about the purpose of life. Why are you here? How did you get here? Etc. And so, uh, you know, the, in the Christian worldview, the purpose of education is to glorify God. Just you know, that's the main purpose of life. And uh, the Bible speaks so clearly about education. In fact, it says that you should do all things as unto the Lord, right? It's in uh, Colossians chapter 3, verse 23, it says, whatever you do, work heartily as for the Lord and not for men. And clearly, that would apply to education as well. Uh, Jesus says in uh, Luke chapter 6, verse 40, the students are not greater than their teacher, but the student who's fully trained will become like the teacher. Uh, these were things that were understood by virtually everyone. And yet today we find ourselves in a situation where the overwhelming majority of Americans reject not just the biblical worldview, but they're really on the opposite end of the spectrum. Uh, we've got today uh, scientific polls uh, commissioned by the Victims of Communism Foundation. 70% of millennials say they are likely to vote for a socialist. Over a third of them have a positive view on communism. Uh, polling data also show that less than half of millennials identify as Christian. And if you dig down into that even further, what you'll find is uh, even many of those who do identify as Christians are not actually Christians in the traditional sense. They don't believe the Bible. They don't have a relationship with God, etc. Uh, and so, uh, you know, for Christians, the, one of the animating factors in their lives is the Great Commission, making disciples of all nations, teaching them to obey. Uh, and of course, that applies just as much to the education of children as it does to, say, sending missionaries to another country. Now, um, what created America was Christian education, the Christian worldview. Uh, and this has been true from the very beginning. If you go back and you look at the earliest education laws, right, 1642, 1647, uh, the Puritans, the Pilgrims in Massachusetts, uh, they passed um, 
very important law. It was called the Old Deluder Satan Act. Uh, this was the Massachusetts Bay Colony. Uh, and, you know, to, to understand a little bit about Massachusetts Bay Colony, it was really like a Bible colony. Uh, church and state were essentially united. There was very there was really no difference. There was no, like, government versus church, no separation of church and state. Uh, and what they said in this law was that one of the chief projects of that Old Deluder Satan is to keep men from knowledge of the Scriptures. Therefore, they said, everybody needs to learn how to read so that they can read their Bible so that Satan can't deceive them. Uh, that, that's kind of the, the genesis of education in America. This is the worldview that these uh, early, early settlers brought with them. One of the first educational institutions created on these shores was Harvard University. And, you know, people struggle to believe this now, that Harvard was once a legitimate educational institution. And I understand it's hard to believe that. Uh, Harvard today is basically a, a giant insane asylum run by the most vicious, vicious lunatics. But it wasn't always that way. In fact, their original rules and precepts back when this was created in the 1600s, they said this, let every student be plainly instructed and earnestly pressed to consider well the main end of his life and studies is to know God and Jesus Christ, which is eternal life that was the main end of their life and studies folks again that was you know 400 years ago almost but uh, it gives you some insight into what education looked like how were the people who ended up creating our country who laid the foundation for our declaration of independence our constitution how were they trained how were they educated how did they think well that gives you a real strong clue they go on to say uh, therefore to lay christ in the bottom is the only foundation of all sound knowledge and learning folks this is american history Okay, and I don't care what your religious views are. This is the history of America. This is the educational system that produced the men who eventually created our country. Uh, Harvard's old motto was truth for Christ and church. And, and I don't think it was just Harvard. Uh, Princeton, under the protection of God, she flourishes. Yale University looks at veritas, light and truth in Latin. Uh, actually, their, their logo, it has a Hebrew these Hebrew letters, they spell Urim and Thummim. This is the tools that the priests use in Exodus chapter 28 to discern the will of God. And so, folks, that is the context in which our nation was created. The Northwest Ordinance passed the same year that our Constitutional Convention got together. They said this, religion, morality, and knowledge being necessary to good government and the happiness of mankind, schools and the means of education shall forever be encouraged. Notice religion, morality in the same sentence as education being what? Not mandated, but encouraged, right? Our founding fathers saw education in this way. Um, uh, Sam Adams, uh, Samuel Adams, I think he preferred to be called. Uh, he was uh, one of the founders of the uh, American Revolution. He's often called the father of the American Revolution. Uh, this is what he said in a letter to John Adams in 1790. He said, let divines and philosophers, statesmen and patriots unite their endeavors to renovate the age by impressing the minds of men with the importance of educating their little boys and girls, of inculcating in the minds of youth the fear and love of the deity and universal philanthropy. And in subordination to these great principles, the love of their country, of instructing them in the art of self-government, without which they can never act a wise part in the government of societies, great or small, in short, of leading them in the study and practice of the exalted virtues of the Christian system. Folks, this is the context in which our nation was created. Uh, Alexis de Tocqueville, he was not American. He was a foreigner. He came over from France and uh, was astounded by what he saw in America. He wrote a book. He was so impressed by our country. And uh, one of the things he said is that every citizen receives the elementary notions of human knowledge. He's moreover taught the doctrines and evidences of his religion, the history of his country, and the leading features of its constitution. He said it's extremely rare to find a man imperfectly acquainted with all these things, and a person wholly ignorant of them is a sort of 
phenomenon. Right? Every citizen got the elementary notions of human knowledge. And what does he start with? The doctrines and evidences of his religion. Right? Then the history of his country and the features of its constitution. Uh, today, it's quite the opposite. If you find a person perfectly acquainted with those things, that is the phenomenon. Right? Um, if you look at the books that these people were educated on, the New England Primer, the original blueback speller, uh, what you'll find is that these were packed with wisdom from the Bible, right? Uh, in Adam's fall, we sinned all. That's what it says right there. Thy life to man, this book attend. They're talking about the Bible, right? Uh, this is just absolutely ubiquitous. in the, so the Bible, of course, was the most commonly used textbook. And then we had other books like these to help teach reading and things. Uh, if you go back and you look at the colonial education system we had, uh, Dr. Robert Peterson in his overview of colonial education, uh, he looks at Philadelphia in 1776. He says the Scottish Presbyterians, the Moravians, the Lutherans, the Anglicans, all had their own schools. He says that Quakers and other uh, denominations even allowed children to attend without fees. So whatever education was not taken care of by parents, that really was picked up by the church. And, and for parents who couldn't afford it, the church was willing to chip in and help with that. Uh, when we get back, we're going to look at the contrasting view on education between today, what the world and what uh, America holds today as the view of education, and what our forefathers in this country believed. Because again, I don't, I don't think you can understand how we got to this point in American history without understanding the worldview shift that was brought about through so-called education, right? We didn't used to have government education in this country. That's a new innovation. And it is the most important factor, I believe, in what we have seen in our country so far as the deep state wages war on everything that we hold dear. So uh, we're going to go to break, folks. But when we get back in just a moment, again, we're going to break down the worldview that is at the core of what passes for education today, we're going to compare and contrast that with what existed prior to this monstrosity that we today call the so-called education system. As a lumberjack, my job is pretty straightforward. I see the wood, I chop the wood. We even hear crazy ideas on how kids should learn. Visit thenewamerican.com for real news you can trust. Welcome back, everybody. This is Behind the Deep State. I'm your host, Alex Newman, senior editor at The New American. Thanks for staying with us. Uh, let's go to the first dictionary published in America. It's called the American Dictionary of the English Language. It was published in 1828 by Noah Webster. Um, great, great American. Um, and uh, I love this book. I, I love this book. It was given to me by uh, the Foundation for American Christian Education. They're up in Virginia. Wonderful organization. And um, if you really want to understand our Constitution, if you want to understand our founding documents, if you want to understand the Federalist Papers, you got to get a copy of this because the words that we think we understand today meant very different things back then. So let's start with education, since that's our subject for today. Uh, education, noun, Latin, educatio. The bringing up as of a child, instruction, formation of manners, education comprehends all that series of instruction and discipline which is intended to enlighten the understanding, correct the temper, and form the manners and habits of youth, and fit them for usefulness in their future stations. To give children a good education in manners, arts, and science is important. To give them a religious education is indispensable, and an immense responsibility rests on parents and guardians who neglect these duties. Indispensable. For those of you who don't know that word, that means it is essential. You cannot dispense with it. It is must do, must have. Let's go to the modern Merriam-Webster education dictionary, uh, definition of education. Uh, I've got a copy of this modern Merriam-Webster dictionary. Education, according to the dictionary, is the action or process of educating or of being educated. Also, a stage of such a process. The knowledge and development resulting from the process of being 
educated. Hmm. Sounds kind of different, doesn't it? So I went to Google, which, by the way, Google is an evil, evil company. Don't use them. It is like a, a tentacle of the deep state in the most horrific way. But I asked Google, what is the purpose of education? According to Google, the purpose of education is to, and I'm quoting, to provide the opportunity for acquiring knowledge and skills that will enable people to develop their full potential and become successful members of society. Uh, I asked the AI, what is the purpose of education? And uh, the AI told me the purpose of education is to provide knowledge and skills through personal development of physical, social, intellectual, and emotional abilities. It enables children to acquire knowledge and skills that will help them become successful members of society. So there's the common denominators, right? Skills, knowledge, successful members of society. Hmm. Is that definition of education compatible with the definition that reigned supreme in the early 1800s when our original dictionary was published? And of course, it's not, right? Not at all. And so this idea of becoming successful members of society, well, I mean, I think we generally want our children to become successful members of society. But uh, what if you live in a Nazi society? What if you live in a communist society? Do you want your child to be a good Nazi? Do you want your child to be a good communist? Hmm, I think not, right? And so what happened? Right. What, how did we get from education? Religious education is indispensable. Great responsibility rests upon parents to ensure this. How did we get from that to, well, you want to be a successful member of society? Well, it's a long and drawn out process. We're not going to have time to get into all of it today. But a very quick summary. You had a communist named Robert Owen. Um, totally rejected God, totally rejected the Bible, and uh, had this dumb communist commune in Indiana that failed after less than two years. And uh, he came to the conclusion that the reason it failed was because these kids had been educated in kind of a Christian milieu, Christian zeitgeist environment, uh, and they were still clinging to these like individualism and property rights and family and Christian worldview. So he said, really, the government ought to educate children. Uh, he created a, a secret society, interestingly enough, and we know of the secret society because a man who was part of it, Orestes Brownson, actually uh, defected. He became a Catholic and repented of this evil he had been involved in uh, and uh, exposed it. Uh, he said it was modeled on the Carbonari, and he said the great object was to get rid of Christianity by promoting government schools. That was the main purpose of their plan to have government educate your kids, was to get rid of Christianity because they knew Christianity was a big, giant brick wall standing in front of their path to total power, their path to radically restructuring society. So uh, these crazy ideas from Robert Owen got picked up in Prussia. They got reimported into Massachusetts by Horace Mann, often called the founding father of the public school system in America. He also wanted the Bibles out of school, which again, at the, at the time, it was the main textbook. Then we get to John Dewey, uh, a, a Soviet apologist. I loved the Soviet Union. And so he teams up with the uh, some of the original deep staters in this country, the Rockefeller dynasty. So you got commies and super capitalists teaming up to build a public school system. Uh, he believed, as he said in his essay, Democracy and Education, education is the process through which the needed transformation may be accomplished. Very different view than what our founders held, right? So he wanted America to be a socialist society, and he had some very interesting religious views. Uh, he was actually the one of the co-authors of the Humanist Manifesto. The first tenet is religious humanists regard the universe as self-existing and not created, right? That's the worldview of the guy who really, more than any other, shaped the public school system in America today. They believe the universe is self-existing and not created. That's what he said. Compare that to the Bible. In the beginning, God created the heavens and the earth. Right? Obviously, these two worldviews are incompatible. Now, John Dewey is welcome to have any silly religion he wants. It's a free country. right? Uh, but his religion is obviously not compatible with the founding precepts of our country, 
in addition to the Bible. So he says, uh, uh, look at the uh, Declaration of Independence. It says, we hold these truths to be self-evident, that all men are created equal. They're endowed by their creator with certain unalienable rights, life, liberty, the pursuit of happiness, right? So John Dewey's religion, humanism, is not compatible with that view. In other words, there are no God-given rights because there is no God. This is the founder of our public school system, folks. Uh, one of his buddies who also signed this manifesto, uh, Potter, uh, C.F. Potter, he wrote in uh, Humanism, A New Religion, that they're going to use the public schools to promote their new religion. And, of course, they have done that very, very successfully. Now, this religion is actually not new. This idea that there is no real God, so we're all our own little gods. We can determine for ourselves what's right and wrong. Uh, yeah, you read that same lie from the pit of hell in Genesis chapter 3. God knows when you eat that fruit, then your eyes will be open, and ye shall be as gods. And yet that's the Supreme Court established religion in this country. 1962, they said we couldn't have prayer in school. 1963, they said we couldn't have the Bible in school. Uh, the justice who uh, authored the dissent in this case, Justice Potter Stewart, hit the nail on the head. He said this refusal to permit religious exercises thus is seen not as the realization of state neutrality, but rather as the establishment of a religion of secularism. In other words, under the guise of enforcing the First Amendment, which says Congress shall make no law respecting an establishment of religion, the Supreme Court established a national religion. Justice Potter Stewart called it a religion of secularism. John Dewey would have recognized it as a religion of humanism. And so now they have established a national religion. They have forced us to pay for the propagation of this false religion from hell with our taxes. And they have forced us to hand over our children to be brainwashed into believing this false religion. Uh, and now we're at the point where, like, the California State Board of Education, just a couple years ago, they approved a mandatory ethnic studies, ethnic studies model curriculum where elementary school children were required to chant to the pagan, demonic, Aztec deities of, humanism, of uh, human sacrifice, cannibalism, and war. So, folks, uh, we've come full circle, right? They have fundamentally transformed our country by fundamentally transforming the worldview of our people by brainwashing our children in the public schools if you want to call them that. Government schools, I think, is a better term. Uh, folks, this is a disaster, right? The fruit of the biblical worldview, Christian education, was what we enjoyed in this country for so long, right? We enjoyed um, Western civilization. We enjoyed strong families. We enjoyed political and economic liberty, massive material prosperity, security, peace, what is the fruit of this secular humanist religion that is being indoctrinated and inculcated into our children in public schools? Well, we see it around us, right? The kids are shooting each other at school. They're committing suicide. They're turning to communism, socialism, and gulags, right? This is the fruit of this false religion from hell. So, folks, worldview is critically important. I'll say it again. Worldview is critically important. The worldview that our children are being taught in the public schools is completely at odds with the worldview that created our country. We are not going to be able to save our country if we do not stop this. Folks, you have got to get your children out of the government schools. They are being taught a worldview that is fundamentally at odds with God's word, with our republic, with everything that we hold dear. The building is on fire. Your children are trapped inside. Don't think about running for school board or signing petitions until your children are safely out of the burning building. Then you can worry about those other things, folks. Um, you know, when I try to think of the purpose of education, I actually came up with a little definition of uh, what I think is the purpose of education. I couldn't find one that I agreed with 100%. So here's what I got. I'll leave you with this. The purpose of education, according to Alex Newman, that's me, your host, is to teach people to know, serve, fear, and obey God, as well as how to think while forming a godly character and developing skills to serve and work with others. 
Folks, uh, I hope you've been encouraged. We cannot let the deep state continue to dumb down, indoctrinate, and weaponize our children to teach them this flawed worldview that produces the fruit that we're seeing around us. The collapse of our society is what we will get. The collapse of our families, the collapse of our churches, the, the crushing of our liberty. That's what awaits us if we don't deal with this. Thanks for watching. I'm Alex Newman. This is Behind the Deep State for the New American Magazine. Until next time, God bless you all. All right, parents, listen up. We've all seen the countless examples of how radical, radical leftists have been destroying American schools. It's no longer just about the terrible math and reading levels. Now radical left teachers birthed from liberal universities are forcing gender indoctrination in, in kindergarten. They're teaching lessons on white guilt. Freedom Project Academy has perfected live on, online learning over the course of a decade. I get a ton of great feedback about this program, a ton. They're built on Judeo-Christian values, a classical curriculum. What does that mean? It means they're taught, your children are ta taught the way that the founding generations of the country. My own son Noah did Freedom Project Academy for uh, several years uh, when he was younger. The more we tell our friends about these things, the more people will get on board. And I, and I believe that we can be the catalyst to some real change. We must save the West. Our way of life and our culture is under attack. And because of patriots like you and your project, I have optimism for the future.